Oh, yeah. No, I heard what he said. I heard all too well what Jesus told that man, that, that thief that he was hanging next to. And you know what? It was drastically different than what he told me. You see, the day that I encountered Jesus, I dropped to my knees right in front of him. He had my respect from the start. You see, I wasn't looking for a handout, okay? I explained to him that I had done the hard work. I just needed to know, was there something that I was missing? Was there, was there some good thing that I needed to do in order to inherit eternal life? And you know, sell all that you own. That's what Jesus told me. Sell it all, and you'll have treasure in heaven. <laughs> yeah, right. You see, I was always taught that salvation is a reward for a life that is filled with good works. It is not a handout that you give to people that can't muster up up can't muster up enough character to earn it themselves. My wealth is a clear indication of the favor that rests upon me from God. I had asked about eternal life and this, this disgusting shell of a man, he's the one that gets it? Jesus told him the day he died, he would be in paradise. This man couldn't bleed a drop of goodness that he hadn't borrowed. No, no, that he hadn't stolen from the righteous man that he's hanging next to. He was a thief and I'm the one that is treated like I've been robbing God all along. I offered to do what I needed to do. This man offered nothing. All he could do was ask for mercy. And, and that's how he got salvation. That's how he got eternal life. It was just, it was just given to him. Like, like it was a, a gift. it was a gift. You like gifts? I do. I have one for everyone. You know I don't. I don't have the budget for that, all right? But there's something, we talk about this a lot, but it's really, really important. There's something that has to be true about every single gift, and that is it is not something you earn. It's not something with strings attached. Maybe you've given a gift with the hope of something or to get something. Oh, that's not a gift, right? might be a nice gesture, but it's not a gift is freely given. And in many ways, the second saying from the cross that Luke uniquely gives us, the, the writer of Luke, is a gift. A beautiful, beautiful gift uh, in many ways. But the, the, the biggest reason it's a gift for us is it again shows us 
that salvation in Christ is by grace alone. Gift. The, um, the Scottish pastor, Alistair Begg, you might know him, um, he, he told the story much more eloquently than I will and with a much better accent than I have. But he put it, and I just kind of paraphrase how he put it, when, when the criminal who died next to Jesus got to paradise that day, the gates of paradise, the angels are there, and they're like, why do we let you in? Why should we? Have you gone to synagogue or to church? Definitely not. They wouldn't even let me in there. Have you uh, uh, followed the law? <laughs> the law? I was on a cross neck. I, absolutely not. Were you at least baptized? I don't even know what that is. So what are you doing here? They would ask. And he said, the guy in the middle cross told me I could come. Well, come on in. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. This word is for everyone here and everyone online as well, or who might even watch or listen later. You have a plan. You know where we've been, where are, are the beauties and blessings of our life, and also the messes, some that are evident, some that we try to hide, but you know them all. And Lord, we come before you and ask for this passage that's familiar to a lot of us would be so fresh and wash over us and remind us that your salvation is from you. All we can do is but believe. So I pray anyone who has never believed that they would today. And all the many of us who have that would be just be confirmed in that hope that is in you, Jesus. You alone. And it's in your mighty and precious name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, so if you're uh, going to follow along with us, I'll put it on the screen, but it's really picking up where we left off last week, Luke chapter 23. I'll back up to a couple of verses we actually had last week. Um, in the meantime, uh, I feel like I need to say this this time of year, uh, every year, and that is I'm not feeling tired. I just have Irish skin, and by February, this is what I look like, all right? And I know you're like, why are you saying that? Because every year, this time of year, there's people will be like, are you okay? You seem tired. I'm like, I am tired, but no more tired than June, all right? Just have more vitamin D that month. So I'm good. I just got the sunken Skeletor look. That's just my bone structure. And uh, February skin, that's all it is. If you want to pay to fly me to Aruba for a week, we can take care of it. But otherwise, <laughs> applause for that. I like it. Okay. I think they just want me to go for a while. Um, so, so we, um, we, we, we had these two verses last week, but I want to catch up to speed because um, it, it's, it's, it's really important to set that, the, the scene of where we were, right? So let, let me read it for you. It says, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. That's with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. So as we talked about last week, Jesus was uh, put unfairly and unjustly on trial. He was handed over to Pontius Pilate. Pilate wanted to save his own reputation and skin and job. And so he, even though he knew Jesus was innocent, he decided to put him to death. And so he was scourged and he was bleeding and he was exhausted and he carried just probably this crossbeam um, outside the city, the few hundred yards, to this place called the Skull or Calgary, Calvary, 
or not Calgary, that's in Canada, or, or uh, you know, the, the Golgotha, right, depending on the language you're speaking. And, and he's there, and, 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 and as we talked about last week, he's not by himself. He's in these, like, if you were to watch, you didn't know anything about Jesus, and you're just watching these three. You go, there go three horrible criminals about to be executed for their crimes. And we said that's really important because in Isaiah 53, which is like 700 years before Jesus, he said, the prophet said, he talked about this anointed one, this Christ, that he's going to come, he's going to bear the sin of the believing remnant, that, that he's going to be numbered with the criminals or the transessors. And here he is. And he's in between. So you've got to picture that. The, the, these guys are going to have this interaction that we're looking at. They're not in a coffee shop, Right? They're, 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 they're on crosses in the most torturous way mankind has ever devised to kill anyone. And that's where they have this interaction. Now, Mark and Matthew talk about these criminals, but they don't give us the unique story that Luke does. Let me just show you what Mark says in chapter 15. He says, those who were crucified with Jesus also reviled him. So both of them, according to Mark, and Matthew said the same, that, that they were insulting Jesus. It's like joining the mockery of the priests and the soldiers and the crowds. They're just like, hey, we may as well join in while we're dying. And that's all they have. But Luke tells us this. It's a little different. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. Same idea, right? Mocked, insulted, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. We'll get to him in a second. But Luke has it a little different. He says only one. So many are like, ah, contradiction. It's like different sources and all that. There are many good explanations for the difference. I think the best and simplest is that at one time early on, both of them were mocking. Maybe one was heavier and the other was just sort of laughing and participating and joining in. But at some point, watching Jesus, being there next to Jesus in those hours, those moments that one of them is we're about to see changed. As we said last week, there's something about Jesus Christ that brings the best out of some and the worst out of others. This guy would be among the worst. I mean, think about how ironic it is. He's actually saying really truthful things. If you said these same things with faith, you'd be saved. Are you not the Christ? Yes. Well, then, save us. You might not say save yourself, but you'd say save us. But this is not a faithful prayer or request. This is bitterly sarcastic and angry. And you know what? If you're supposedly the Christ, then why don't you do something about it? joining what everyone else was saying. Remember last week we said that, that they saw the cross as evidence that Jesus isn't the Christ when really it's evidence that he is. And so he joins them. And he, and he rails at them. But then there's the other guy, right? There's this other criminal that was next to him. But the other, on the other side, rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, right? do you not fear God? So picture it again. They're not in a coffee shop. They're like, he kind of has to lean over and yell this at the other guy. Like, what are you doing? Like, why would you say this? Like, even if he is guilty, like, so are we. Who are we to be yelling at him? Right? And, 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 and he looks at him and he's just like, like, maybe... In the last, you know, few hours of your life, you should 
maybe think about God who you're about to meet and maybe don't continue your, as you've been your whole life angry and projecting your bitterness and anger on other people because you're mess. Blame game, like including God. Like people, you've met them, I meet them all the time. They want God to come to them on their terms. It don't work that way. You got to come to him and he will take you. But you got to come to him on his terms. He's like, well, if there's a God, why don't, you know, if you're the crowd, that's not going to get anybody anywhere. So this other one is like, don't you fear God? And then he continues, right? What humility it takes for him to say this. And we, indeed, justly, we're here because we deserve it. For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. The due reward, the wages of sin is death. And so he's like, we're supposed to be here, right? Like, like why are you railing at him? <laughs> like, at first, the, the first you see him confess two things that are incredibly important, important for everyone, right? The first is, is that he confesses uh, about who he is and the other guy. But most importantly, he's like, I deserve to be here. I deserve this. This punishment, this, I, I, I'm a mess. And what I call that is confess your mess. It's beautiful free, beautifully freeing to just confess your mess. Second thing is he affirms who Jesus is. Even more important, I'm a mess, but he's here and he's completely innocent. What he may or may not have understood is he's not just innocent of the crimes that put him on the cross. He's innocent of any crime ever, perfectly innocent, which is required for him to be the sacrifice that we need. Another sinner who's in a mess can't save another sinner who's in a mess. And so somehow, some way, like I don't know, think about the faith it takes to be looking at a dying man that Jesus is in that moment and to say, yeah, I'm going to put my hope and trust in him. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. And he said, think about it. In that moment where he's being tortured for his crimes that he truly believes he deserves, I am nobody, I've never been to church, I've, I've never been to baptism, I've never, to, I, I, I have nothing to offer, and yet he said, Jesus, remember me. Do you know that it's the only place in the Gospels recorded someone calling him his name Jesus? It's usually rabbi or teacher. That doesn't mean other people didn't, but it's very important that this guy has, a, has the boldness to not say teacher, respected leader. He's Jesus, which remember what Jesus means. Yahweh, God, saves. Jesus, remember me. Remember, what a prayer. I know you might think, remember me, so like, like he wants him to think of him in, in the distant past fondly or something like that. That's not theologically what that phrase, remember me, means. When it's talking about God, especially in the Old Testament, remember, when God remembers someone, he, he, he pours his blessings on you. He restores you and renews you and frees you and saves you and cleanses you. The best example, I think, is, is when the Israelites, who, the Hebrew people who are enslaved in Egypt, and they cried out, and it says God looked at them, and he remembered them. And then what did he do? Well, he sent Moses. He rescued. He saved. He brought them in. He made them his people. And so he's, he's 
saying to him, remember me, says, save me. Cleanse me. Take me up out of this. Like what a thing. So what he asks is, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Kingdom. And so he's he's probably, I'm guessing that both of these guys next to Jesus, along with Jesus, are Jewish. So he has some idea of of the theology around the Christ, the anointed one, that he's the king, right? That's why it says king of the Jews above Jesus. That, that, That he had some idea that this Christ, and now I believe you are that Christ, that Savior that Isaiah talked about, and so many other prophets, right? And 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 I believe that. And and so there's gonna be a kingdom, and I want to be part of it. Remember me when you come in. Maybe it's that he's thinking it's the end. He doesn't know. I mean, how many of us here have all of our theological ducks in order? And yet, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want you to think about how bold. I mean, like, and it's the same boldness that if you're a Christian, you might not have used those words. You might have said, I accept you. I, in my heart, I, I, I believe you. I repent. I, whatever it was, you're, the boldness of this. Think about it. I want you to imagine that you borrowed uh, $10 million from someone and you can't pay back a cent. So you make an appointment with the lender. You waltz into his office. You sit down and you say, yeah, I'm not going to be able to pay that. Would you consider ripping up that debt and completely forgiving it? And while we're at it, could I live in your mansion? Could I eat at your table? Could we hang out together? You'd be thrown out on your head, right? That's what he's saying. You're the king. You're going to have a kingdom. You're perfect. You're righteous. I'm a complete mess hey, will you remember me? Will you save me? Will you bring me into your kingdom? What? Jesus has every right to say, no way. But we have our second saying from the cross. This beautiful verse, this should be the life verse, really, of all of us, as I read somewhere. This is not a picture of salvation in the last moment of your life. This is a picture of salvation, period. Every one of us is this man. We just don't always know it. Sometimes the harder it is in life, the more you realize you need God's grace. That's actually a beautiful blessing. There's some people that think, like the rich young ruler, that I got this figured out. I have a few mistakes, a little bit of mess. I'm good. It's so much harder to reach you, to help you to understand you're not good. You need a savior just like that criminal. And so I want you to picture it. He's on one side, the other guy's still grumbling on the other side, who knows. And, and he's there, and he says, remember me, and he looks at Jesus. And, and, and who of us would have, have blamed Jesus to just have a self-focused moment? Not selfish, but just like, I, I'm going to focus here. <laughs> right? I'm saving people here. Instead, he looks at this guy, who at one moment, not that long ago, was insulting him and mocking him. And he says, truly, I say to you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Let's break that down. First of all, truly. That's not just a spiked seltzer, people, okay? Truly here could actually be translated, amen. Which is, by the way, not the word that you wrap up your prayer with. I mean, you can, and we do, but... 
It means, in fact, truly, or sometimes it's double, truly, truly, you only see Jesus say it, and it's over 70 times in the Gospels. And what it means is, amen, or I agree, or I 100% believe this, that when you pray a prayer, I'm saying, amen, me too, I believe this. So when he says truly, it's not that his other stuff that he says isn't important, but this, you better listen. And he's saying, truly, 100%. This isn't a vague maybe. This isn't we'll see. I'll confer with the angels. See what the Holy Spirit has to say. He can be weird, you know. This is truly today you will be with me in paradise. What is paradise? Why does they say heaven here? And we don't have time for a lot of end times kind of uh, talk, but, but when, in the end, the, the new heavens and the new earth are going to be created. What about now? What about the believer in Christ who, who, who has passed away and you miss? What about you if he doesn't come back and you breathe your, your last? What happens? Well, there's this thing called paradise. It could be, it's not just, just like sitting on a cloud with a harp, okay? It is, it is actually a word that could be translated Eden. You remember our Genesis series? When they sinned and they were kicked out of paradise or Eden, which is really just the the presence of God and the joy of God. And because of sin, they're now separated. Well, now, because of Christ, they can come back. The key about, see, paradise is not playing baseball with Shoeless Joe Jackson, okay? For you Field of Dreams fans, all right? Good movie. It's not driving a motorcycle on your favorite beach or your favorite fishing hole or whatever. Now, I'm not saying we can't, we may very well do those things in paradise. There's a lot we don't know. I'm just saying that's not what makes it paradise. What makes it paradise, Jamie? The very, very little phrase that you might have missed with all the other stuff to unpack, and that is, be with me. You see, one would think, you know what? I have enough mercy for you, but you're kind of a scoundrel, so you know what? You can live in the neighborhood. Just don't come see me. But instead, he says, you're with me. That's what makes a paradise. Is that, that, that paradise, however that's shaped, however that is, it's, it's growing in the joys of Christ moment by moment. You'll never get bored. You'll never want something else. There's no more mourning. There's no more tears. There's no more grieving. There's no more regrets. There's no more shame. There's no more any of that. You're with your Savior. Today, he said. Today. He couldn't be more firm. This isn't a vague term that he uses. Today. A lot of people want to throw this passage out because, you know, they they want there to be a purgatory where, all right, we'll give him a little bit of help, but he's got to work some off or a holding tank until the end. That's not what this says. Today. And if even if he threw this passage out, Paul, do you remember what he, he, he said in Philippians 1? To live is Christ and to die is gain. What? A holding tank to wait to the end isn't gain. Purgatory is certainly not gain. He went, off, went on to say, to depart is far better. My friends, if you have someone in Christ who has passed, Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a baby, maybe it's a friend or a family member or a parent, and, 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 and we do miss them desperately, but i got to tell you something. If they had any opportunity to come back, they would not take it. And neither will you, so don't get all on your high horse. You can be like, oh, I just miss Pastor Jamie so much. His sermons, Jesus, I need to go back. You're not going to do that. I know I don't have to convince you of that. You're going to be like, I'll see Jamie when he gets here. 
Hopefully it's decades from now, right? Today. That's so important. Right now. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to, right? Now, all that stuff is good if you're still here. But if someone dies today in the faith of Christ, immediately. They cease their breath, their heart beats, they're with Jesus in paradise. Wow. And so, how do we just, just quickly apply it to, to us? All over the map here today. Think about them. The criminal next to Jesus, the one who confessed, the one who looked. The first step to anyone, me included, is to own up to who you are. Confess and repent. Just, like, it's so freeing to say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess. I've, I've made mess. I've, I've, I've sinned. I've lusted. I've lied. I've been lazy when I shouldn't been. I haven't helped when I should have. I, all, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a mess. It's just like, like there's, there's the one person that's just like, like the other criminal. It's like, well, it's his fault, and it's her fault, and it's this's fault, and if this didn't happen. Are you tired? If that's you, are you just tired of that? You know inside it's not true. I'm not asking you to confess the mess that others have done to you. That's their mess. You got enough on your own. You're not confessing the mess of the hurt that someone has caused you, but the mess that's your fault, you breathe and you go, yeah. I want you to imagine that it's your fault and for some reason or another, you ended up jumping into a giant lake of sewage. Why are my illustrations the last couple of weeks so gross? I don't know, Okay. I met a new couple to church in between, and he's a plumber. He said, that hit really close to home, man. And I said, sorry, brother. Hope you'll come back. I hope you'll come back. And, and, and so I just want you to imagine that, right? So there's one person who's just like, I'm in this sewage. It's not my fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And then you're just like, well, I'm here. I may as well date somebody in the sewage, or I may as well, you know. And you're just sitting there and wallowing in the mess, that's not where to stay. Judas betrayed Jesus. He recognized some mess, and he took his own life. He stayed in the mess. No, 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 no. That's not what that criminal did. He repented. That's, I know, a scary word. It just is beautiful. It just means, I don't want that mess. Like, I, I turn, and I, I lift my hands up, and I say, somebody save me. This is a mess that I cannot clean. So repentance isn't you getting out of the sewage. It's reaching up and looking. Somebody who can, please, please save me, right? And, and so then, the second step to any one of us is to then own up to who Jesus is. Confess and believe. And so, it's, it's saying, as you're in that mess, and you're asking for a savior, you say, Jesus, remember me. I know I don't, this is a gift. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. I Remember me. Remember me. And know what he said to that criminal next to him. He says the same to us. You will be with me in paradise. So you have to, you have to confess and remember who Jesus is. He's the only one worthy. Another sinner can't save you. The people in the sewage, I mean, we can, we can try to comfort each other and, and talk nice to each other, but we can't save each other. Only the one who never, ever made a mess can do that, and that's him. That's what he recognized. He's innocent. I deserve it. And then you believe. And the gift of God is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. No strings attached. 
that he says, you will be with me in paradise truly. This isn't something you're going to lose. This isn't something you're going to, this is something that I got you now. And he picks you up out of the muck. And he picks you up out of that mess. And he cleans you completely. And it puts a white robe on you. And he says, come on home with me. Paradise. A gift that you did not earn, and yet you have because of your faith. Have you done that? That doesn't mean if you've done that, you can live however you want. Who would jump back into the sewage after they've been cleaned? That's what that would be. We do go to church, and we do gather, we read the word, and we pray, and we let the Holy Spirit, sometimes way slower than I want, clean our life more and more until that day we're with him. But you don't go back. You don't go back into the, the sewage, the mess. And yet, have you simply, not based on your record, your resume, your wealth, your good morals, your religiosity, have you just come to the end and said, I'm a mess, Jesus, remember me? All you had to do is believe. Like right where you are, that's it. You know I don't dance around it. I won't dance around this, ever. Because whether or not you trust in Jesus, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, man, you could have been more straightforward. And so please understand, this gift is for you, but you've got to open it. If I put $10 million in that gift and said it's for you and you left it on the table, it's not yours. You've got to receive it and you've got to put that in the bank. And so confess your mess and ask Jesus to remember you. So what about those of us who have done that? I want to end with something for you and for me that I think we see in this second saying. Our hope in this life and the next is in Christ alone. I want you to think about that phrase. Today you'll be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. You will be, truly, you will be with me in paradise. Now, there's one thing that criminal had, just a shade advantage he has over us. Not much. I wouldn't want to take, take his place. But a little bit that he had was that he was that day going to die and be with him in paradise. Some of us have years and even decades left. And there will be many blessings and good things with that. But the problem with that is our attention can wander and we can start wanting to put our hope in the things that are here. Money, career, relationships, right? But I would argue, or our friend next to Jesus, I would argue that though he only had a few hours left, that being crucified makes those hours feel like years. And how often, have you ever thought of this? Because I was thinking, how often, because we don't know, it's just conjecture, how often as the darkness descended, as he looked at this Jesus who was dying next to him, as people on the ground saying, what are you, a moron, putting your trust in him? I don't, how often did he go, is it really true? Am I, me? Did, did he say what I thought? Right, and, and maybe want to put your hope in a cup of water or something else as he's dying? And how often he might have just in those hours had to reconfirm that as he, as he laid there or as he hanged there dying, as he turned his eyes upon Jesus. Picture it. And he looks at him full in his wonderful face. And the things 
on earth grew strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, if you're new to the church or newer, I want to introduce you to a friend. Oh my gosh, I used to be able to bend over easier. This is Mr. Rope. You'll see this around. A lot of people have keychains with this because it's all about perspective and a reminder. This rope's your life. Your life. And the first thing is you think is, well, it's my 80. We'll see if maybe I'll live to be 90. That's not what I mean. You do have a beginning. You were conceived and born into this world. Some doctor slapped you and you cried and that was it. You were a viper and a diaper and all that and then whatever happened, you're, wherever you are, you're in this green tape. This is your life though because you have no end. You're everlasting, your soul. Just a matter of whether you'll live with God or apart from God. And Christ is the answer to do that. But the green tape is where he struggled on that cross, the guy next to Jesus. The green tape is where you might struggle. There's many blessings here, but there's also a lot of grief and a lot of pain and a lot of places in this green tape where we want to, I'm going to put my hope there. I got Jesus, but I'm going to put my hope, right? And, and, and yet, what, what we use this for is to look up. It's nothing. It shouldn't be this big. It's a sliver. Put your hope in eternity in paradise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And so, you know, I, I thought about this the other day when I was praying. Um, sometimes I'm praying, you know, even Christians, we've got to confess our mess. You knew that, right? You're saved, but you've got to give it to God. And, and there's times where you just feel like, Man, anyone else, I've been after uh, following Jesus almost 30 years now. I really thought I'd be further along than I am. Anyone else? Just want to be, yeah. And, and believe me, I'm a lot further along. The Holy Spirit is so kind and gentle and gracious. But there's still so much there that I feel disappointed in. The accuser comes and says, you, <laughs> you preach, you're a pastor, you, you did this, you did that, you thought that, all, all of that stuff, right? And, and so sometimes you can feel overwhelmed with that. But here's something as I was praying, because I tend to be that kind of guy where I'm very loyal. And I just was like, I was speaking right to the enemy. I was like, you know what? You can have your pound of flesh, but here's what I know. My hope has been in Christ, is in Christ, and always will be. Amen. And you could say the same thing. It's not going to waver. You could take anything, right? You take my tongue out, I'll learn sign language to praise Christ. Like whatever it is, my hope is there. There's so many other things I wish were different about me, about things I've done, but that is something I know. And so can you. Because by God's spirit, by his grace, your hope is in Christ. And so if right now in the green tape, you're in a beautiful season. I am really, truly thankful for that. You know, those beautiful seasons. I don't get a lot of people lined up to my door talking about their beautiful seasons. Try it sometime. We love that. Jamie, everything's going great. Yes, praise God. So if you're in a beautiful season, enjoy it. Be radically generous to others with it. But please don't put your hope in the beauty that is fading. Please don't fall into that. But if you're in a painful season, or a uh, season, or a messy season, or a grieving season, that this green tape will bring, I want to remind you that just like that guy next to him, you can turn your eyes to Jesus. Look upon in his full and wonderful face. 
And the things of this green tape will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Remember, when we say amen, we say amen. It's true. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray first for anyone who came in here and unsure of their salvation. Maybe they thought they were working at it and realize now that's not going to happen. Maybe they thought they were too beyond it. And I pray, oh God, by your grace, they would realize now that's not true. That if a criminal who did nothing but ask for you to remember him is with you in paradise, that they can be too. And that you would give them the faith to simply right now say, Jesus, remember me. I repent. Remember me. Cleave me. Lord, give them the faith. I know it's only you who can do it. All I can be is your vessel. You are the power of salvation. And Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters who, Lord, if they're in a beautiful season, oh Lord, thank you for that. And I just pray that they would maintain their hope in you through the beautiful season of life that they're in right now. I pray that it would continue and they would use the beautiful blessings you've given them to bless others and, and, and show them who you are. But Lord, I, I just also just pray for anyone who's in pain or struggling for whatever reason right now, lots of stuff in this green tape world, that Lord, you would remind them right now that they would make a stand at the enemy who accuses them every moment of every day, that their hope is not in their works, their hope is not in their religion, their hope is in Jesus Christ, Lord. Remind them. Put a smile on their face. Give them the joy that comes new every day. The mercies that are new every morning because of you. May you receive all the glory of our lives, Jesus, in this church. In your name we pray. Amen. If you can, stand with us. Let's sing together.